Did Ron Rivera fire Jack Del Rio to save his own job? Yes, he absolutely did. I'm going to tell you why that's not a problem coming up on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And welcome into today's episode of Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget that you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you're getting this podcast. And you can continue this conversation with me by becoming a Locked On Commanders insider. Join the Lock Insider program. And from there, you can text me your thoughts, your questions, your hopes, your dreams, and I can text you. My responses to all of that, plus inside information, news that you're not going to get anywhere else, and especially news that you're not going to get specifically on this show. It's a great way for me to interact with you and also a great way to go beyond what we do here on Locked On Commanders. Become an insider by going to joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Commanders and sign up today. I'm David Harrison, your host for this program on Twitter at dharrison82, on threads at dharrison underscore 82, credential member of the media covering the Washington Commanders for commandercountry.com, a part of Sports Illustrated's fan nation. Here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers and everydayers, you already know, but I'm going to tell you anyway, I appreciate you for coming through like you do. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on. Use the promo code locked on NFL, all lowercase, to get a first deposit match up to $100. On today's episode of Locked On Commanders, we're talking about London Fletcher, semifinalist for the Hall of Fame. It's not the first time he's been a semifinalist, but we're going to talk about his odds coming up this season. We're also going to talk about some free agency stuff, some salary cap projections into the future. What does the picture look like moving forward for the Washington Commanders? I think you're going to like a little bit of what I have to tell you. But first, I'm going to tell you why firing Jack Del Rio is 100% a tactic for Ron Rivera to try and save his own job. And I'm going to tell you that it's not a problem because while a lot of people are saying this as if it's a negative, it's not a negative because while Ron Rivera is firing Jack Del Rio to save his own job, he's not throwing Jack Del Rio under the bus. What Ron Rivera is doing is taking control over his own fate. It's it's not about staying loyal to your buddy to the end and going down with the ship and all this other stuff. It's about making changes if those people that you rely and that you put in position to make the changes themselves either won't, can't, or just don't uh, do it. And that's the bottom line. We've all been calling for changes on the defense all season long. We've been looking for changes on the defense all season long. Ron Rivera has certainly given or certainly gave Jack Del Rio plenty of opportunities and time to fix what was ailing the Washington Commanders defense. And finally, we got to a point where enough was enough. Snowballing was the way that Ron Rivera described it, but whatever, however you want to put it, he, enough was enough. And the decision was made to move on from Jack Del Rio. The reason to do that is because of the natural cause effect of things that are happening around the organization. Discussions are absolutely occurring indoors, behind closed doors, about doing things the way more uh, that Ron Rivera wants to do them and now plans to do them. They just weren't being implemented. What Ron Rivera wants to do, simplify the defense. And that's not the first time we've talked about the complexities of the Jack Del Rio defense. People wonder how a defense uh, that was once one of the better defenses in the league is suddenly one of the worst in the league and but most of the players are the same, right? Your, your defensive front the same. Your linebackers outside of Cody Barton are pretty much the same. Your DBs outside of a first-round pick, which in theory should make it better, are pretty much the same. Well, here's, here's the thing. I think that the few additions on top of the complexity of a Jack Del Rio defense 
really kind of serve to fight against each other. And that's why we got to the point where we are right now, because when your defense is so interconnected, so codependent on every single piece of the defense operating as one, each player's actions simultaneously push or pull and or pull the other's players' uh, actions directly. Even one can one change when you have that kind of a system can cause major, major ramifications. Adding a young cornerback like Emmanuel Forbes, a young safety like Percy Butler, who's getting more playing time this season due to injuries, that's going to change things. Those guys don't have to necessarily mess up the play themselves for the play to now get messed up because what's most important is successful successful organization. I'm going to give you a second to answer that question. What is the most important thing for a successful organization? The answer is trust. We talk about trust in this business, in this game, in this, in the locker rooms, all this stuff, but not nearly as much as we really should, because trust is the absolute most important thing in any successful organization, not just in football, but across any business type. I don't care who you are, what's your, what business you're in. If you don't have maximum trust, you're never going to reach your maximum potential as an organization without trust. It doesn't really matter what else you have, how many first round picks you got, how much raw talent you have, how much experience you have, how much time together that you really have. It comes down to trust. Now that doesn't always go, you know, to the far right of, well, we hate Jack Del Rio and we despise his scheme and we despise his, his tactics. No, like losing trust can be very, very subtle. And when you add new guys to the mix, it's easy enough to say, go out there and trust each other on the field. It's a lot harder to actually put those words into action. For example, a safety who trusted the cornerback that was playing in front of him for a year, for two years, now has a new one. He's not going to trust that new cornerback as much as he trusted the other one because the relationship just isn't there. The bond just isn't there. The experience of playing together isn't there. Because of that, that safety is now going to play different. Because of that, the safety playing next to him, the linebacker playing in front of him, the slot corner playing in front of him, they're now going to change the way they play because if the dude I trust and the dude I know is acting different, well, now I'm going to act different, so on and so forth. So it's not as simple as saying just go do your job because your job is reliant on others doing theirs and you trusting that they're going to be in position to do theirs. Think of it almost like a factory line, but really much more complex. If your job is to put the cap on a bottle, my job is to fill the bottle before you get it and I don't fill it, you can't cap it. Or if you do cap it, that's great, but the product underneath the cap that you just put on is still going to be bad, which means the final product is going to be messed up Regardless. Now, if you try to do my job, fill the bottle and do your job, you're not you're going to miss a bottle putting the cap on because you're going to be busy doing my job, not paying attention on your job. Now, the next guy in the line who's going to put that capped bottle in the box is going to have a whole uh, heck of a mess on his hands. And again, so on and so forth. It trickles down. So it's not as simple as just do your job. But what Ron Rivera is trying to do, though, is simplify things and say, look, you grab the bottle, put it on the belt. You hit the button that fills the bottle. You put the cap on the bottle. You put it in the box. You tape up the box. You mail the box. You deliver the box. And if we do those things, we're going to be less complex, but we might arguably be more successful. So if you simplify things, if I have my zone and the guy that I, if, if a guy enters it, I cover it. If he leaves it, I let him go. That, that other zone is somebody else's zone. What I'm doing is not relegate, relegated, but what another guy is doing. I have my assignment. I do my assignment. That is the epitome of do your job defense. There are some adjustments. There are certainly some signals, but not nearly as complex as what the Washington Commanders defense has been dealing with. That's what I expect to have happen. That is what I anticipate or I assume Ron Rivera has talked to Jack Del Rio over the weeks and months of the season about Jack Del Rio for one reason or another, either thought he could teach it better, thought he could get the guys to understand it better, thought he could get them to, tr to trust each other better. 
It didn't happen. Now Ron Rivera is saying, you know what? I asked you to do it. Maybe even I told you to do it. I can't make you do it. So I'm just going to do it myself. And that's where we got to where we are. At the end of the day, there are 11 guys to cover the same amount of field, no matter what team's defense is on the field. It's about getting it done the best way possible. The way it was getting done was not the best way. So if you simplify things like I expect Ron Rivera to do, arguably, potentially, we'll see a better product on the field from a functional standpoint. That's where Ron Rivera is trying to save his job. This isn't about throwing Jack Del Rio under the bus to save my skin. No, it's about regaining the trust in the defense. It's about rebuilding the trust that the players have in what they're doing on the field. And ultimately, it's about regaining the trust that Josh, from Josh Harris that Ron Rivera is the man to lead this commander's team into the future. Did he give Jack Del Rio more time than he probably should have to fix it? You could make the argument that yes, he did. But he did it because he trusted Jack Del Rio. Once Jack Del Rio showed him, I'm not going to do things the way that you think they need to be done. Ron Rivera took, the, took control, took the reins, and said, I'm going to trust myself now. I'm going to bet on me to show Josh Harris that I can be trusted to take this team into the next generation. Now, if that's successful and if Ron Rivera sticks around, I anticipate that the next defensive coordinator is not going to be a guy who just gets to do whatever he wants. It's going to be a guy who you get to do what you want within what I tell you is best for this team. And I think that's honestly the best way for Ron Rivera to run this team is I'm going to set your boundaries. I'm going to set your left, your right limits, everything within there, you color it up, but I'm going to tell you where exactly we're operating within. That is what I think an NFL head coach should be doing. Coming up next, we're going to talk about what that future could look like from a cap management franchise tag possibility standpoint and expiring contracts. How much money do the Washington commanders potentially have to give to fill in their roster holes already getting ready to leave this this next offseason. I'm going to tell you all that coming up next on this episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If it's halftime, it's ordering time. This episode of Locked On Commanders brought to you by DoorDash. Why root for, you, for the Washington Commanders on an empty stomach? You wouldn't do that at FedEx Field. You wouldn't do that on the road. Don't do it at home. Order on DoorDash and save on football watch party favorites. If you're local to the Washington Commanders, but you're staying home to watch the game, Order in some Jenny's Splendid Ice Cream. My favorite flavor is Honey Vanilla Bean. That thing is legit. And Lemon Bar is a pretty good go-to as well. It's dairy-free as well if you're into that kind of thing. So kick back and kick off with unbeatable deals on everything you need for your watch party. All of your favorite restaurants and stores from retail to grocery, they're all on the DoorDash app. So you can shop everything you need to be game day ready. Get prepared before game day. Stock up on your favorite appetizers. Order all your tailgate gear on DoorDash. Then get ready to watch your team. Compete, get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order after downloading the DoorDash app and entering the code LOCKED23. Again, that code LOCKED23 for 50% off up to a $10 value on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and spend $15 or more. Subject to change, terms apply. Today's episode of Locked On Commander is also brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It is the easiest and the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports because it's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and then just sit back and watch your winnings roll in. I always pick three player projections every Thursday night football matchup. I got to watch the game to cover it for this network. I do locked on NFL Fridays. We always talk about Thursday night football. So I want a little bit more fun with the game that I have to watch this week. I'm going with Seattle Seahawks kicker Jason Myers to make more than one and a half field goals for me. Dallas Cowboys receiver CeeDee Lamb to get less than six and a half receptions and Dallas running back Tony Pollard to score more than half a touchdown. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL 
Use the promo code locked on NFL all lowercase for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that promo code locked on NFL all lowercase to get a first deposit match up to $100 at prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy. Again, everybody out there for being a lot of commanders first listen or your first view today and every day locked on has launched the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel on youtube locked on sports today is here for you 24 7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of locked on plus our national shows covering every league go to locked on sports today on youtube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel every day is of course thanks as always for coming through on a regular basis hopefully you're checking out that locked on sports today stream. I check it out regularly. It's very cool. It's very a lot of good things happening uh, over there with the network. By the way, my first segment was a mailbag question. This is a mailbag episode, and I got a lot of questions about you know Ron Rivera saving himself by firing Jack Del Rio. Most of them angled towards basically throwing Jack Del Rio under the bus. So obviously, I just told you why I don't think that's the case. But yes, it very much is about saving jobs because that's ultimately what Ron Rivera. Is trying to do. You see the writing on the wall. What we're doing is not going to work. If we keep doing it, we're all out of here. But if I'm going to save this at all, I've got to take control of the ship. And that's exactly what he's doing. We'll see how much it works. We'll see how effective it is. But it was a mailbag question from a lot of people. So I appreciate everybody uh, dishing in with, with uh, comments and, and questions about that topic. Specifically, Keith wants to know about the salary cap situation moving forward and what might happen to the players with expiring contracts, especially now that Chase Young and Montez Sweat are gone and no longer up for consideration to be extended uh, this season or this offseason. And if there are any true franchise tag candidates coming up uh, this next offseason. So starting with the salary cap and yet yeah, the, the absence, the departures of Chase Young and Montez Sweat certainly make a difference here because we all kind of expected at least one of those guys to get re-signed this next offseason. Uh, that eats up a good amount of your your cap money right then and there, and it kind of I won't say complicates things, but it certainly impacts decisions that trickle down uh, from there, right? But without with those guys gone, according to Spot Track right now, uh, the projected the projected NFL salary cap in twenty twenty four is going to be two hundred forty point five million dollars. Now that hasn't actually been set yet, so we're working with figurative numbers. But guys like Spot Track, guys like Over the Cap, they're pretty good uh, about predicting these kinds of things. So two hundred forty point five million dollars is the general NFL salary cap now. Every year, teams get to roll over cap space sometimes from the previous year. So looking at it right now, as it stands, 2023 rollover for the Washington Commanders would be $15.2 million. That means that the Washington Commanders would have an adjusted salary cap in 2024 of $255.7 million on or about there, right? Uh, looking at their top 51 uh, on the roster already for 2024, they would be left with $85.3 million in cap space. That is the second most cap space projected for 2024 in the National Football League. And that figure does include consideration for $6.2 million in dead cap space owed to, uh, well, not owed, it's already been paid, but owed to the NFL for accounting purposes to Chase Roulier at the tune of $4.05 million and Andrew Norwell, who will account for $2.1 million himself. There's some others uh, that kind of fill in that dead cap number. So $6.2 million in dead cap space. You have $85.3 million in salary cap uh, and your expiring contracts, your key expiring contracts. This isn't all the guys who don't have a contract for next season, but you're really kind of big name guys uh, or guys that you would be, I guess, concerned with or, or want to pay attention to. Wide receiver, Curtis Samuel, cornerback, Kendall Fuller, linebacker, Cody Barton, left tackle, Cornelius Lucas, safety, Jeremy Reeves, defensive end, F.A. Obata, center, Tyler Larson, linebacker, David Mayo, 
running back Antonio Gibson, kicker Joey Sly, guard Sadiq Charles, safety Cameron Curl, defensive end James Smith-Williams, defensive end Casey Tuhill. And that order of that list, by the way, is by SpotTrack. I didn't make the order, so if you're mad that Cameron Curl is too low on there, don't come at me. SpotTrack made the list. I just am reading it to you in that order. Uh, they do have some projected market values for some of these players, for them specifically. Curtis Samuel, Spot Track uh, estimates his market value to be $5.6 million a year. Kendall Fuller is, is projected at $14 million a year. Antonio Gibson's projected $3.6 million a year. Cam Curl's projected at $15.3 million per year. So when you look at those four players specifically, you know, when you're talking about franchise tagging a guy, it's because you don't want to pay the quote unquote market value, at least for a long term. So you throw a franchise tag to either get a lower number or to get a one-year number so that you can kind of see usually it's a health situation or it's like a one-year performance uh, situation. But looking at the, at the franchise tag, transition tag figures, we'll get into the differences of those here in just a second. Wide receivers. So Curtis Samuel is expected to have a market value of $5.6 million. His franchise tag number would be $22.9 million. Transition tag would be $20.5 million. That's a, very, that's a $15 million plus. Uh, difference. Cornerbacks are expected to draw 19.4 million uh, in, in franchise tag, 16.8 million in the in the transition tag. Running backs, 13.1 million franchise tag, 10.6 million transition tag. Safeties, 18.2 million franchise tag, 14.7 million transition tag. So when you talk about franchise tags, you've got two kinds. You have the exclusives and you got the non-exclusives. Exclusives. Players are only allowed to negotiate with the team that tags them. So if the Washington Commanders were to tag one of these guys with the exclusive franchise tag, they can only negotiate with Washington. There's no other contracts to talk about. It's either sign the tag, don't sign the tag. Sometimes, a lot of times, you're negotiating an extension. There's a deadline, I think, somewhere in June for teams that have tagged somebody to agree to an extension before they have to play that season on the tag. Then you've got the non-exclusive. The non-exclusive allows the player to go out there and negotiate with other teams. If they agree to a contract with another team, the team that tagged them, so in this case, Washington Commanders tag, say, Cameron Curl. Cam Curl goes out there. The Dallas Cowboys say, we'll give you X amount of money for X amount of years if you sign with us. The Commanders can either match the contract, and then Cam Curl has to sign with the Commanders, doesn't have a choice, or allow the Cowboys in this hyperbole uh, or hypothetical to sign with the Dallas Cowboys, and then the Cowboys would give the Washington Commanders two first-round picks uh, in exchange. So, that's how the franchise tag works. Both are fully guaranteed against injury once they're signed, so there's no worries there. Transition tags, you're obviously, talk, you're obviously talking about less money, but if the player, player signs elsewhere, the team still has the opportunity to match, but if they don't match, the team gets nothing in return, so you just lose that player uh, on the transition tag. That's really the biggest difference. Uh, teams can start tagging players, franchise or transition, starting at 4 p.m. Eastern, February 20th, and they have up until 4 p.m. Eastern, March 5th of 2024 to put those tags in place. Noon Eastern on March 11th is the beginning of the open negotiation window and free agents can sign new deals starting at 4 p.m. Eastern on March 13th. Uh, players can extend anytime before 4 p.m. Eastern, March 13th. They can still sign with the team that they originated from after that. But at that point, it's not considered an extension. It's a new contract. Really, it's just talking about semantics. So would I view any of these guys as franchise tag candidates? Kendall Fuller or Cam Curl are really the only two I'm looking at here. For Kendall Fuller, you're, if you franchise tag him, you're going to pay him five and a half million over his market value according to spot track. But if you only want to keep him for one year while you continue to grow your young DBs behind him, maybe that five and a half million up front is worth not having to lock yourself into a long-term deal for cam curl. You're paying $3 million over his market value according to spot track. Really? That's going to be a situation where if cam wants 20, you want to give him 15. The franchise tag is 18. Boom. You slap a tag on him and, and you kind of let the cards lie 
where they lie. If all players available were to re-sign their projected values for one year, you would still have $46.8 million in cap space, which would rank 12th most in the NFL. So bottom line is the Washington Commanders can re-sign anybody they want to. They can franchise tag anybody they want to. And for what it's worth, I kind of advocate for all four of those guys specifically to come back. Wouldn't hate seeing Tyler Larson, James Smith, Williams, Casey, too. He'll come back. Uh, truth be told, there's nobody on that free agent list that I would say has to go. And if you re-sign all of them, you're still going to have over $20 million in cap space. So the Washington Commanders, bottom line, in a very good space when it comes to contracts, when it comes to salary cap. Uh, so very good news for Ron Rivera or for whoever is in charge of managing that cap in 2020. Four. Hopefully in 2024, we're welcoming London Fletcher into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We'll talk about his stats, how he measures up coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Today's episode of Locked On Commanders brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top tier candidates as possible to have for interviews. That's why you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. And LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which make it the best place for you to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows the small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time to or resources to make their own hires. So thankfully with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedinjobs.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. To post your job for free, terms and conditions apply. Wrapping up this mailbag episode of Locked On Commanders, talking about London Fletcher, linebacker, announced as one of 25 modern era players, semifinalists, for induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame as a member of class of, of the class of 2024. And I got a lot of texts from my insiders, a lot of people out there talking about whether or not London Fletcher, uh, one, stacks up, which, spoiler alert, yes, he does. Number two, is he going to make it? Um, and there are some who just think that linebackers are devalued, some who think that the Washington Commanders, Washington in general, has uh, something, you know, voters have something against them. We'll talk about voters here in just a second, but let's focus on London. Real quick. First of all, really good dude. I've gotten to talk to him multiple times since I started covering this team. Uh, as most of you probably know, he works, you know, as part of the team's coverage team. Um, so he's around, you know, quite often. Really good dude. Uh, stand-up human being. Four-time Pro Bowler in the National Football League. This man played 256 career NFL games from 1988 to 2013. He spent seven seasons in Washington from 2007 to 2013. Uh, he was a four-time Pro Bowler, like I said, all of those Pro Bowl seasons coming with Washington. Second team All-Pro twice, again, both times with Washington. And among off-ball linebackers in NFL history, according to Pro Football References stat head, London Fletcher is 46th in sacks with 39 of them, second in tackles with 2,039, second in solo tackles with 1,384, 11th in tackles for loss with 109, fourth in interceptions with 23, tied for number one in pass defense with 96, 18th and forced fumbles with 19, and he's tied for 12th and fumble recoveries with 12. No linebacker or off-ball linebacker, inside linebacker, according again to StatHead, has better stats in all of those categories. I mean, across the board, every single category that is in 
the NFL Hall of Fame currently. Only one linebacker in the Hall of Fame currently has the same amount of tackles as London Fletcher or more. That is Mr. Ray Lewis. When you look at all the off-ball linebackers that are in the Hall of Fame already, London Fletcher's stat line mostly mirrors in tackles, Ray Lewis. Tackles for loss, Ray Lewis. Interceptions, Brian Urlacher. Force fumbles, Ray Lewis. This man is a Ray Lewis type of production guy. The thing working against him outside of the conspiracy theories about uh, team biases, and I'm not saying conspiracy theories as in they're not they're nonsense. I'm not saying that at all. Believe me, and I had this conversation with an insider of mine. If we lived in a world where a group of human beings could get together and just do something based on the criteria it's supposed to be done and no biases, no judgments came into it, we'd have a much better world. But the truth of the matter is usually you get 50 human beings in a room, give them an, a set of, of, of uh, bylaws to follow. There's going to be some, some coloring outside the lines, if you know what I mean. So I'm not saying conspiracy theory to discount it. But outside of those types of things, what's working against London Fletcher uh, is that he's also had the second highest games among the guys that would be in the Hall of Fame behind only Junior Seau. And some people are going to discredit that and say, well, you know, the tackle numbers are great. The force formal numbers are great. The sack numbers are great. But look at how many games he played to get him. He played 28 more games than Ray Lewis. But even with that, his stats are still better than Junior Seau's, who played more games than London Fletcher. London Fletcher. So if, if Junior Seau is in there, and I'm not saying Junior Seau shouldn't be in there. So Junior Seau is in there who played more games in London but didn't have as good a stat box as London, then London, I think, should certainly be in there. Uh, London Fletcher has the NFL record for 215 consecutive starts as a linebacker, third most games played in the position. I mean, bottom line is this dude is Hall of Fame caliber. It's not a question of whether or not he's Hall of Fame caliber. The question now is, is he going to get in? Um, competing with him as linebackers this year, James Harrison, Patrick Willis. I think he's above Patrick Willis. I think James Harrison probably has the name recognition across the league uh, more. And of course, you know, London Fletcher's one Super Bowl came with the uh, with the Rams, not with Washington in his best season. So that that mismatch there uh, certainly could work against him as well. But also had some questions about the voting process. So uh, there are 50 there are up to 50, I should say, panelists. Uh, it's a Hall of Fame selection committee is what they call it. They're up to 50 right now. All 50 spots are filled, according to the Pro Football Hall of Fame's website. Um, every NFL franchise has one representative. If there are two teams in one city, and then there are two representatives. So, for example, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Los Angeles Rams, there is a quote-unquote local media member uh, that votes for, that represents each of those areas in voting. So, theory, in theory, all 32 team areas are represented. The New York Giants and the New York Jets each have uh, a representative from there. Again, quote-unquote local media uh, circle. I say quote-unquote because some of these guys are authors. Some of these guys are retired, and so they're no longer in the media um, and the Washingtons alone is Jarrett Bell out of U.S. Today, very established journalist and, and all those. Don't get me wrong, um, but, you know, not someone that I've ever met covering this team in person. Um, certainly not somebody who's on the daily beat, so to speak. So, again, I say media member in, in quotes because he is certainly a, a media member and well established at that, um, but not, you know, necessarily on the daily around the Washington Commanders. Um, they got a bunch of at-large uh, people as well. Peter King, for example, of NBC Sports, he's an at-large guy, so he's not, you know, part of the the local guys. Tony Dungy is on the panel. Um, there's a there's a long list of names on the panel, but they all come together and they vote through each round. You know, this this list of 25 semifinals will be trimmed down to I think 15 or 10 finalists, and then ultimately uh, that list will get trimmed down, and the uh, the the people who get selected will get selected. The 25. Uh, finalists, semifinalists. So it goes from 25 semifinalists to 15 finalists, uh, and then there'll be a final vote. 
Uh, Eric Allen, uh, cornerback, Jared, Jared Allen, defensive end, Willie Anderson, offensive tackle, Tiki Barber, running back, Anquan Bolden, wide receiver, Jari Evans, guard, London Fletcher, of course, Dwight Freeney, defensive end, uh, Antonio Gates, tight end, Eddie George, running back, James Harrison, linebacker, Rodney Harrison, safety, Devin Hester, punt returner, kick returner, wide receiver, Torrey Holt, wide receiver, Andre Johnson, wide receiver, Robert Mathis, defensive end, slash linebacker. I didn't really count him in the linebacker group. Julius Peppers, defensive end. Uh, Steve Smith, senior, wide receiver. Fred Taylor, running back. Heinz Ward, wide receiver. Ricky Waters, running back. Reggie Wayne, wide receiver. Vince Wilfork, defensive tackle. Patrick Willis, linebacker. Darren Woodson, safety. This is London Fletcher's second time being a Pro Football Hall of Fame semifinalist. So we wish him good luck uh, and uh, happy uh, rallying and, and all that stuff. I look forward to saying congratulations to him in person and hopefully I look forward to covering his enshrinement next August in Canton, Ohio. Coming up tomorrow, we got crossover Thursday. Kyle Krabs, the Locked On Dolphins, and I are going to sit down and talk about this weekend's matchup between the Washington Commanders and the Miami Dolphins. In the meantime, you got questions for future mailbags, throw them in the YouTube comment section on Twitter or send me a text directly by becoming a Lock Insider at jointsubtext.com slash Locked On Commanders. Don't forget, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7. So go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Thanks so much for making me a part of your day, part of your football routine. So we speak again, please, if you're out and about, be safe, be kind. And I'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.